You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I am joined by my wonderful husband, Kevin Lahire. And we're just going to have a little chat about some things that have been on my mind lately. So without further ado, here's Kevin. Hey, morning. Morning. I have no idea of these questions. No, I had some stuff on my mind. And so in a very impromptu fashion, you got to hold the mic right up to your face, right up to your face. Um, In a very impromptu style, I was like, let's record a podcast. Uh, So yeah, he doesn't have any idea what we're going to be talking about. But I had some things on my mind and things that we've talked about before And I want to talk about first this notion of having it all. And I want to talk about it from a woman's perspective. And then I'd like a male's perspective on it. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) So often there's this kind of narrative out there that we can have it all. Like we can have a super successful career we can, you know, be a boss in the gym and be super fit and we can be, you know, if we have kids, we can be an outstanding parent and there's this narrative like you can be the superwoman or superman and you can absolutely have it all. And the older I get, the more I realize that I don't think that's true. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that you can have it all? That's an interesting question to unpack, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I think you have to think about the question first. Okay. What what does having it all mean? Mm-hmm. It it isn't as if people individually in the West define that. It's defined for them. Mm. Who defines what having it all is? That's very interesting. So, you know, maybe somebody who's been through quite a bit of life, uh, maybe had a life-threatening condition or an accident their definition of of all is probably quite different Mm. from you know somebody starting out Mm. where they get fed this this idea of well how how can you be successful in a career you know have a family especially material things, right? Mm-hmm. Generate enough income to be that aspirational middle class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, ju- just thinking back to before the middle class evolved in the West and you think about how society used to be in the Victorian times, clearly for most of society, having it all was probably a very different definition. Yeah, that's true. So I think before we look at at, um, at either gender, male, female, whatever uh, definition you want to use, then uh, I think you have to think about the overall question first. Mm. I think from my perspective, 
as a woman and because historically, and it still is true today, women bear the responsibility of bringing up children. And it's not saying that every woman has children, every woman wants children, or every woman takes care of the children that they have. But traditionally, that is still the way that it goes. And many women do want children, and many women don't. But let's just say, I'm looking at it from the aspect of like, okay, women who want to work and have a career, who want to have children, who want to flourish in their relationships and and be everything to everyone and have everything, you know, have the great body, have the great job, be a great mom, go to all the, you know, events at school. And it's like, I, I don't think that it's possible or you can have it all, but not at the same time. Yeah, I think there are there are individuals and there's some quite well-known cases for women who have been seen as, you know, stars. Mm. And tragically, there have been some suicides where just that, idea of achieving everything Mm -hmm. becomes just too much for somebody who who doesn't i guess in their minds have an idea of failure when in fact they're they're not a failure at all Mm -hmm. but but in in their mind there is a perfect play and it has to look that way yeah and that was going to be my next point or you can have it all but it comes with a cost like, what is the cost? Because you have to give from one of those buckets. Like, you can't, unfortunately, be super successful at work and put all your time in and still expect to, you know, have your relationships outside flourish and have this great social life or, you know, always be there for your children if you're trying to, you know, succeed and climb the ladder at work. It's just, it's not a realistic expectation. And I think when we make that, the expectation and we say no we can have it all it's like but we actually can't and we're setting ourselves up for failure i think that's true for uh, that's true for both men and women the idea that of this work life balance it is very difficult to be career aspirational mm-hmm. put in the time and effort and unless you have a very rare and specialist skill mm-hmm. generally there there is a function for for how hard people push and it comes at the expense of home life um and whichever in a i guess a standard viewed family um with a couple one person is going going to take that lead uh, and the other person, if, if you have kids, will will be doing a lot more of that. Now, the, don't get me wrong, there are also families where both are very successful. And that's called nannies. But then there's a price there too. Yep. And there has been a tradition of, of the well-heeled using boarding schools. They have kids, but they have kids for different reasons. They have kids for succession. They don't have kids to have a bunch of five, six, seven, eight-year-olds running around. They send them to boarding school. Yeah, and I guess you would have grown up a lot more with that um, growing up. Like, Well, you're British, right? You didn't grow up in Britain. I'm not that old, just to be clear. No, I know. <laughs> but but in the UK, it's definitely, I think it's a bit more common. In Canada, I don't think you see that as much, right? Like there's these private schools, I guess, would you, or you call them public schools, don't you? Yeah, I think... 
schools like Eton yeah. are classed as public schools, as they call them, which is but kind of a reverse idea. Yeah, we'd me. call them private here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's different. But I think that is a lot more um, apparent in the UK than it might be in Canada and maybe more in the US. I think it touches on an interesting area and that's class. Mm. People, people are especially in today's world struggle with the idea of class. But even in, even in, in our Western society, it does exist, which is where this aspirational middle class has grown and, and it, it does still exist it's always been how shall i say this it's it's always been extremely disturbed by you know rapid change the industrial revolution for example changed the behaviors of how people worked mm-hmm. we're in a revolution at the moment an information revolution mm-hmm. that's changing white collar workers right middle class and how they work and how they how they are expected to engage, what in fact, where people are no longer needed anymore. The, these are always pivotal points in society, but you still have that split between what's almost a traditional hourly paid worker, somebody doing something quite manual, all the way up to what you'd view as, as family wealth and aristocratic wealth and their ideas of how they bring up children how they have it all right and of course the big the big enabler and the aspirational piece has always come comes down to money mm. money's always seen as that yeah that's very true and then also depending on where the individual is in their life and having more realistic expectations especially as women get into middle age, men get into middle age, there's different changes that happen uh, physically. And I don't know, like, what's the answer to can we have it all or not? Like, is it to lower our expectations, to have more realistic expectations? What do you think? I think as you progress in, in life's journey, you tend to... I don't think settling's right. You just develop a greater level of pragmatism. Mm. I mean, this is true. You you have the enthusiasm of a, you know, somebody at, at 22 years old just out of university and they've never worked, but they're they're also not. Their their views of that work and how life will be is isn't restricted by their experience in work because they don't have any. Mm-hmm that changes over time depending on on their career path and you do you do reach a level of pragmatism ab- about those things about what's possible and what's not i guess so for younger people like do they need to have a clear message of what's possible and what's not and what's possible but it's going to cost them you know a great deal yeah but we don't really like to do that in society right I, th- I think our society is is driven by aspiration. I mean, you you see this even in even in non-Western countries that are evolving into in, rapidly into, um, I, I guess, full capitalist economies. Or, or, although China is a one-party state, there, there's a lot of people in big cities function 
in a capitalist way and they are aspirational, right? About uh, you only have to look at luxury brands. China is a, is a huge market for them mm-hmm. because that has the same aspirational push, right? Of work and acquiring wealth and acquiring things. Um, and how that plays in families is interesting because in the West, of course, as you know, I always peg World War II as an as a incredibly pivotal moment um, in the 20th century. It totally changed, I think, the perception of, of men and women um, and how they work because there were so many men fighting there was a lot of roles that were then covered by women that hadn't traditionally been. That perpetuated and was accelerated in the 60s with the advent of the pill and birth control. Mm-hmm. It, it totally changed the dynamic mm-hmm. of the workforce. Mm-hmm. And it's been changing ever since. And, and birth rates have fallen. Families get started later. Uh, and a lot of that is aspirational, that if you, if you look back 50 years what a, a couple needed to have when they were just married and what they expected to have is totally different from today. Yeah, and it also, you know, it shows too that there needs to be a realistic expectation, especially for women who want to have children and who want a career. One of those areas is going to suffer because if you want to build a career, it means putting that effort in and delaying children and in delaying children you decrease your ability to reproduce and like don't get mad at me take it up with god like i didn't write the rules this is biology the older a woman gets the harder the harder it is for her to bear children and it's not saying that it's impossible of course it's not impossible but it comes with a cost it's harder on your body it can be harder just in general to conceive and so you actually can't have it all. That's probably true. You can't have it all. There is definitely a, a natural law of biology yep. um, for women and the ability to, to have children that comes into play. Uh, and even with medical progression, the risk goes up. Yep. And you, you cannot escape that. You, you, can't, you can't change that. And, and it's one of the reasons governments... You know, when you think about policies that they they highlight and they talk about spending, things like um, child daycare are, are always things that politicians in the West will elevate mm-hmm. because at the moment we, we have a pretty low unemployment rate and, you know, having access to that workforce and, and having a situation where, where whether it's a, a, whichever partner staying at home it's a case of giving that cost-effective option mm-hmm. for both to work. Mm-hmm. So governments have their own agendas on this as well. A, a country like Canada is somewhat different in that we always have a high immigration rate, mm-hmm. and we still do. We, we have one of the, the highest immigration rates over the next five years that's planned. And again, that's part of bringing in bringing in people that's that's covering the low birth rate mm-hmm. which is typical in in western society and and of course that's now becoming true in china too mm-hmm. when i was growing up 
the Chinese policy of one child yep. per couple was very prevalent. Yep. Uh, if if the child was female, it was seen as a bad thing. Yep. Because it was all and often discarded. A- exactly. Yep. Now China is suffering one of the same problems. They're suffering a declining birth rate. Um, and and it's a problem because people are now. They they are having it all, but they are pushing that yeah that child family time down the path at the expense of of, of having a career yeah and then you know with so many couples needing medical intervention to have children there's a cost right there there's a cost to your finances because that's not cheap it's a cost to your relationship. It's a cost to your emotional health. It's a cost to your physical health with the reproductive drugs that you'll have to take. Like, you can't have it all. You're going to have to make a decision where you want to exert your efforts in and be okay with that. Like, have more realistic expectations that something or other is going to have to go on the back burner. It just, it has to. I think that's probably true. Is it true for men as well? Well, that's the other aspect. In, in our world of, of wanting to seek this equality in everything, it's something we were talking about this morning, about you know, music industry awards. Mm-hmm. Last week there was a, a concern that there wasn't sufficient representation in a particular you know, category, a particular idea. It, it runs counter to the narrative to only women can bear children mm-hmm. today anyway yeah uh, we, we we can't produce babies offline in a lab as in aldous huxley's brave new world mm-hmm. not yet so women have to bear children putting a narrative out there that says actually you need to reprioritize your idea of of you know building a career till till you're 37 38 and then thinking I'll have a family yeah good luck is very risky yeah it it's is it's very risky yeah because you might not be successful but that means seemingly putting a burden putting the responsibility on on women to mm-hmm. say well actually sure get a degree maybe spend 3 4 years in the workforce but really, you need to have a first child well before you're thirty. I know, and that, and but, and that's just not a popular message because it's like, I mean, it, it's no coincidence that women start menstruating in their teenage years because they are most fertile in their teenage to early twenties, right? Their teenage years to the early twenties, and that is just so unpopular because we've like pounded this notion of women getting educated and i'm an educated woman right and i have absolutely no issue with women being educated i want women to be educated but i also want them to have a realistic expectation if they want to have children that's very true and you know i have three siblings uh and i am the second and my my older brother my mom was 17 when she had him she was 21 when she had me. Mm-hmm. Um, 27 with the third. And um, 
and what, 33 with a final child of four. And it's a totally different story today. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, she was at work, but when she had my brother, she never worked again. Mm -hmm. And as a family, the, the income was, was from one, one provider. And do you say, well, you know, she wasn't fulfilled, she wasn't ambitious, she should have built a career. Well, no, she didn't want to. She just wanted to have a family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, has, has the pressure of society and that desire for material things, for foreign trips, for new vehicles all the time, things that that are expensive has that created that conundrum where it's like well actually you have to make a choice mm-hmm. if if you want to have three or four children and you want all those things it's it's a challenge yeah it's going to come with a cost somewhere it does it does and yeah i i just think having a realistic expectation of what life will look like instead of what you think it will look like. And we had to have, you know, some very candid conversations with children. And you know, I've been open on the podcast, as you know, about our struggles and the decision to just finally step away from that mm-hmm. choice. And if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. But, you know, I'm acutely aware of my age and i mean you'll produce sperm until you're in the grave right like probably right after you die you still produce sperm Mm -hmm. whereas like women we just don't have that luxury and i'm going to be 34 next month and and my risk keeps going up and up and i do desire a career so i am a woman that desires a career and i will be honest i desire a career and those things over children so you're making that I'm making that choice. Choice. Yep. Something through circumstance yep. and pragmatism, situation. Yep. But making that decision. And if it were to happen, I would have to reassess that decision, right? To have that that career that I really want to have. Does it mean it's impossible? No. Would we might have to get a nanny? Yeah, I guess if I wanted to go to work full time and you're at work full time, what else do you do? Like you, you can't be a million places at once. That that is that is true, and, and I've seen throughout my life all kinds of of situations. I've seen career women married, both you know great careers. They've literally had children during a vacation mm-hmm. time, two mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. and gone back to work. Mm-hmm. Baby, nanny. And make really great money. Someone looks after it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a decision that there's that other time, but it isn't the same as rearing a child. It's a bit like ticking a box mm-hmm. and saying, "Well, yeah, we're going to have a family, but my career is also really important. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be so successful that actually, you know, probably the kid's going to suffer a bit because yeah." I'm just going to pass it off to a nanny right from two weeks old. Yep. And move on. Yep. And I mean, that's probably a little more unusual, right? There are, there are lots of year long maternity breaks. And there's circumstances too, where women get pregnant and maybe they're on their own and they have to go to work to provide for 
their children. And so their children have to go to daycare, right? And the, that's the, a different situation. Those sure. women know. Also, I think those women know better than anyone else that you can't have it all. Because they're doing it all and parts are suffering because they have to do it all. Yeah, I absolutely. There are circumstances that dictate mm-hmm. you have to do what you have to do. Yep. But it is very different from our, our crafted society that, uh, let's face it, it's become very materialistic, right? Mm. Everything is driven by, it's one of the flaws of capitalism. It's driven mm-hmm. by that idea of growth. Mm. Um, you know, wealth is good. Growth is good. We look at the economy, we measure the success of growth, right, a domestic product. Is the economy growing? Is it shrinking? The, the ever-expanding model and yeah it's it's probably um flawed to some extent mm. but certainly when it's driven into that into that group and we, we you know we, we talk about resource consumption and you know size size of the planet and where will population get to it's um it, it's a really complex idea mm. Mm. i mean we in the west we have exceedingly low infant mortality now um you you still see high birth rates in in countries where infant mortality is higher because that is that is that is how human race used to be mm-hmm. there was exceedingly high infant mortalities back even even through the 17 1800s in in the western world so people tend to have a lot of well, many more children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that has changed generally couples decide to have one child they almost certain that they won't lose it yeah yeah that's very true switching gears a little bit just because this is going to be a shorter episode just because I, I sprung this on you so quickly i also wanted to talk about um having a different mindset when we encounter setbacks because both you and I have encountered, you know, some setbacks in particular uh, in the last two weeks, you and I have both encountered two setbacks. So I'd like us to explain how we've kind of bounced back to help give our listeners some encouragement in a, they're not alone with setbacks and B there's always a way to, overcome those setbacks even if it's even if our situation doesn't change it's about changing our mindset so um your setback was you applied for a promotion and you didn't get it Mm -hmm. um can you explain kind of your process of dealing with that and how you overcame that setback i think being pragmatic first is important i I think particular circumstances around it wasn't necessarily reflection on on me mm-hmm. it's very easy to take things personally and emotionally and normally your first emotional response is always just that it's that immediate reaction right and it's like i've often said to you about worry mm-hmm. if you if you worry about something and you write it down 99 times out of 100 when you actually look back the things that you were really worried about never materialize 
just an FYI, Kevin's never gone through through trauma. No, that's not true. You have gone through trauma. But. Sure. <laughs> but many of the things that we react to in that first instance and, and you know, either catastrophize the situation or feel that it's it's terrible and you want to emotionally react by saying, right, I'm going to quit my job. And it's like, generally, it's never quite as black and white as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the best thing you can do is to create some space to to have a reflection about what's happened because then you have a bit of clarity in your mind about how you move that forward uh and the thing is that i'm definitely of the view that even things that appear really bad there always tends to be some counterbalance mm-hmm. to so you know obviously with your grad school oh yeah i haven't told my audience but i never got into grad school well the thing is it wasn't you didn't get in because of your aptitude you got in really because of process yeah um it's right it's one of those things and placing some potential constraints on, on applications by by not applying to different places you you understand those constraints Mm -hmm. but in that there is there's always opportunity in that year that Mm -hmm. gap year Uh, and when you look back in three or four years time you may actually realize that the year was was beneficial and you you wouldn't have had that Mm -hmm. you're you're a glass half full kind of guy hey sometimes i used to think you're very pessimistic but the more i get to know you and this is true um for anyone who's married or not married, you continue to get to know your partner forever. But I, I actually think that you're more of a glass half full kind of person. Yeah, I mean, in life generally, for me, things have generally worked out, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than generally not. But actually, there's been lots of things that haven't worked out. Correct. Um, but your mindset has been one that you've seen the positives come of those situations i think i do like the optimistic mindset approach yeah you know there there's optimism in in kind of um you know blindly being over optimistic mm-hmm. um you know at the expense of of making provision for things or allowing for things that can go wrong but i i do think you you see successful people tend to drive through challenges and people say well they they had far few challenges than other people and that isn't true there there are some like that but there are people who've overcome many things but they almost just bulldoze through every single thing that tries to stop them and just keep driving Uh, and yeah i guess they're just more optimistic They, they don't they're not defeated there's a resilience that they have well people call it character right especially from a you know a personal perspective it, it, it becomes a character thing right where you yeah e- either through you know social connections your work connections or, or even yourself or through faith you pick up find the strength to to move beyond wherever you are and realize it is transient 
That's well, that's a very big one, isn't it? Uh, psychologists love to study resilience and what makes an individual resilient compared to someone who isn't. And I guess for me, like in that moment, you, I mean, you are going to reapply for that promotion um, because there was some like bureaucratic processes involved in yours. And for grad school, for me, my supervisor never got given a grad student. Mm -hmm. So that is why I never got in. So again, bureaucratic processes. But for me, I definitely had a week where I was quite depressed and cried where you didn't. (laughs) And I don't know, like maybe it's because guys aren't more, you know, like inclined to sit there and cry. Um, But whether that was helpful or not, I kind of needed to stay in that space, but not allow myself to stay and remain in that place i think everybody's emotional response varies yeah so you know my go-to will probably be kind of an anger resentment end Mm. of the spectrum right Mm. it's it's going to be someone else's fault someone else's problem Mm. where you know for you it, it reflects emotionally internally right yeah so you have like an external attribution where i have an internal attribution yeah precisely interesting my psychology brain is going. Oh, it's for me things that don't that don't go right. They they're usually someone else's problem, not mine. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and and for me, it's like I'm a failure. I screwed up. Like I'm not good enough. Where, yeah, you don't. You don't have. I don't know which is better. If <laughs> I don't know. They are both innate. I think initial emotional responses to things Mm. um and you know whatever situation you're in i I think you can convince yourself that there's something else you should have done to make a difference Mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll never know but you can't live in the past you move forward Mm -hmm. and say well you know i'll be successful next time Mm -hmm. i will use that time right just to be better uh, and it's that forward thinking rather than the kind of living in the past. Yeah. And, you know, things would have been different if, right? Mm. You know, that, that idea of um, regretting things. Yeah. If only I'd done this. If Rumination. If only I'd done that, right? Mm-hmm. Then, uh, but I mean, that's like playing the lottery and looking at the winning lottery tickets where no one won and say, well, if only I'd put down these seven numbers on on friday then you know i'd be worth 50 million dollars today yeah it's it's a but you didn't no but so you now didn't. we move on totally yeah and i think you know one thing that's been really helpful for me is to understand i don't have to like the situation i'm not required to like that and this is about building distress tolerance i don't have to like the situation but it also doesn't have to send me off into a tailspin where I catastrophize everything and completely crumble. I can sit in that really helpless emotion and then move out of it as well and develop that st- distress tolerance. Yeah, I think that's 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 very true, which is why what I say to you is if you actually write down the things that are, you know, the world's going to end, put down a ranking from one to 10, how, you know, how you feel, but then go and look back at it two weeks later, you'll generally find most of them were actually completely overrated. Mm. 
they were, uh, you know, that immediate response. So if someone is listening and they're going through, and we're going to wrap things up, if they're going through, you know, a trying situation, what is some advice that you could give them? Because you seem to be a fairly resilient person. I'd like to know some advice. Well, I think if you have a support network, mm. you you definitely need to hear the right things from the right people. You know, sometimes, you know, with like bereavement and losing someone, uh, there may be some people who will tell you something that maybe is not going to be best at that time because you need to be in, in that grief. So uh, definitely having a support network makes a difference. Um, obviously, people that can, I think, empathize and connect can help. Uh, you don't always want somebody then telling their own story, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is personal to you. But they say time is a great healer with things. And, you know, life, in, in, in that microcosm of that time in a particular event, life is quite long. And it has its twists and turns. And you just have to be patient. And depending on the magnitude of what happened, you know, you, you have to realize that, yeah, generally there is a different side to it, right, in the future. Mm. Like if your house burns down, if, as long as no one's injured, mm -hmm. it's extremely distressing. It's very disruptive. You may have lost some personal items. But the house can be built again. And in two years' time, well, it's probably not going to feel like it did when it burnt down. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that, that's what my advice would be as well um, in developing more of a tolerance for distress is to physically, if you have to, and I encourage you to physically say out loud, this situation and this feeling won't last forever. And feelings are not facts. Just because I didn't succeed at something doesn't mean I'm a failure. Right, so separating facts from feelings because feelings are very fleeting; they go up and down and all around. Um, but just knowing that things don't last forever and they won't last forever, and actually believing that and moving forward, even not liking the situation that you're in, you're not required to like the situation that you're in to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. I know it was very quick, um, but I always like the conversations that we have and I always think, oh, we should have recorded a podcast episode because it's so helpful. Um, so thank you for appeasing me and like spending your Sunday quickly getting ready for a podcast episode. No problem. It's fun. Good. I love you, honey. Love you too. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.